Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240 for Spring Semester 2023. Today, review for the midterm exam. Now I'm going to go through what I think you should know, which is probably kind of important since I'm writing it, and I will, once I'm finished, then I'll open it up for you to ask me questions about it. Uh, problems that you would like to see done, or just general questions or specific questions, and I'll try to be as straight up with you as I can to make sure that you have the best chance possible to ace the course and change your major to finance, or maybe not. A little bit of detail first here. Uh, well, I, bear with me, let me pull up the exam. Well, I suppose I could put the exam up on the overhead for you. No one, no one reacted to that, okay. Anyway, where is, oh, there it is, okay. First things first, the exam is the 75 minutes of the class. It is here, it is password protected. You have to be in attendance to be able to take it and all of that good stuff. The, um, the test has 36 questions, but one of them is a matching, so it's a total of 40 problems. The, what the matching is five, so that makes for a total of 40. And um, it's true and false, multiple choice, matching, and numeric answers. You are allowed a four by six note card, front and back. And you're also uh, permitted a, uh, the, that formula worksheet that, uh, in your resources tab for the ratios. And you can use a financial calculator or you can use Excel for the numeric problems. Now as far as numeric problems go, to start it off, I'm going to have you calculate a payment on a loan and an effective rate on the loan. The other numeric problem I'll have you do is the future value of an annuity due. These, you have seen all of these on quizzes, well, not the same numbers, but, and you've also got the same problems I've given you in uh, that problem, practice problem set in ReggieNet in the resources tab. So there's no new blind side. There's nothing that's going to catch you off guard that you haven't seen. And I would hope that you've got it mastered. So these numerical questions, which always look like the hardest, shouldn't take you very long at all to do on the exam, I hope. Okay, so now, down to the details of it. First things first, your best study guides are your quizzes, because I pull questions off there, change words, change the numer numbers, 
And so that's definitely, and I've got all the answers. The answer key is available for all four of them. Now I think I've got them all set to show the answers, the correct answers. And obviously your notes are going to be critical for this exam. And of course also the podcasts, if you have the time, listen to them. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, you'll be surprised at the gaps in your notes. And another nice thing is that unlike me, you can stop the podcast and play a piece of it again, which helps you capture the full detail of a definition. Now, let's begin this. Starting off, the very first week of class, I went through fundamental concepts. Make sure that you know those. The idea of the stockholder versus the bondholder. The shareholder versus the debt holder, as it were. The difference between a corporation and other types of business entities. What's unique about a corporation? That would be the stock, of course. Uh, but also, what is the difference between finance and accounting? They are not the same. One, and despite what that book seems to think, finance is part of economics. It's not part of accounting. And in that regard, how are we distinguishing ourselves from the accountants? Specifically, costs. What is a relevant cost? What costs are relevant to finance and that are not relevant to accounting? Where would you find a discussion of opportunity cost or replacement cost or future expected cost? as opposed to where you would find historical costs or sunk costs, those kinds of things. So I will probe that first week to see if you have that basic understanding of what finance is about and why we are the realists who are trying to find not what has happened about the company, but what is going to happen as best we can. Okay. Now, as far as definitions go, you've had a load of them, and they started at the beginning, and they've been going, and I've usually, if it's just a straight definition, you've heard me repeat it a couple of times. Liquidity. Make sure you know the definition I gave you in class, and not what you will find on the web, because I will put the ones that are on the web and you'll get it wrong if you choose one of those. Uh, intrinsic value. What is it about intrinsic value? Is that the same as the, st the stock price? Is the intrinsic price per, uh, value of the stock the same? And on the subject of intrinsic value, uh, what does liquidity have to do with this whole thing? Assets that are more liquid, do they have higher expected returns or lower expected returns than assets that are illiquid? 
definitions, liquidity, capital market, capital versus money, primary versus secondary. What do I mean by a bull market, a bear market? What do I mean by price earnings ratio? What is that beta? Bid and ask. Market cap. I said flight to quality. What's that all about? What does that mean? A mortgage bond versus a debenture. Those kinds of things. Uh, as far as the ratios go, you're not going to calculate any ratios, but you should know the relationships, what a ratio is talking about. What does it mean? How do you compare ratios? Which is bigger, ROA or, RO or ROE? Which is bigger? Current ratio or burn ratio? Where does the acid test fall in that? What do I mean by free cash flow? NOPAT, N-O-P-A-T. What is that? What is what does it include? What does it exclude? What do I mean by an investment bank? Now, going into a little more detail, making my second pass here, interest rates. What's in the risk-free rate? There are two parts to it. What are they? Now, one of those is the real rate of return. What happens if the Fed increases the money supply? What does that do to the real rate of return? Hint, it makes it go down. Because if you increase the supply of money, the price of money, interest rates, go down. What's the difference between an investment bank and a regular bank? Now, I gave you a history uh, since 1960, actually the 1950s, on through the starting in uh, the 1980s. Know the important economic slash financial event or events that dominated each of those presidents. Like the OPEC oil embargo, that was Richard Nixon. Uh, the guns and butter, 
that was Lyndon Johnston. The, well, there are a lot of things that happened. Who pursued the, in, who uh, appointed the monetarist to stop the high expected inflation? What president was in charge? Uh, well, what president was in charge when he started out by fighting inflation by saying it was the moral equivalent of war? Make sure you know that timeline and important events along it to take us into the 80s, and then I'll carry it forward from there in the second half of the course. Oh, okay. Um, now, just a quick thing about interest rates, and I, I did this in on the quiz. Many of these questions you'll see look very similar to what you've seen on a quiz because they are one of the quizzes. Oh, excuse me. Um, for example, in that, I just lost one that I was going to look at here. Um, what was it I was looking at there? Oh, as far as interest rates go. Now, you know that there's the risk-free rate. That's the real rate of return plus the expected inflation premium. And then there is the risk premium, which has the default maturity and illiquidity premiums. Make sure you know what would be significant for a given instrument within that risk premium. For example, a uh, mortgage bond versus a debenture. The debenture would have a higher interest rate, all other things being equal, than the mortgage bond because the debenture has a higher default premium. Simply because a mortgage bond can liquidate a specific asset, and the debenture is just going to get whatever is there after uh, in liquidation. Would a 30-year treasury bond have a high or a low maturity premium? It would have a high premium because it's a long-term instrument. Illiquidity, that's a AAA corporate bond, has virtually no illiquidity premium because you can get rid of it in with one push of a button, a sell button. But some kinds of debt you can't get rid of, so you, you can't sell it very easily, so you're stuck with it. That makes it have a higher illiquidity premium. Now, as far as bonds go, I am not going to give you any of the numerical because it was like you know, last week, but I will ask you more general questions about bonds. Uh, what's the face value of a bond? It's always $1,000 uh, or 100 if you're talking on the 100 uh, As the yield and the coupon spread farther apart, further apart, the price gets farther, further from par. As the coupon and the yield get closer together, the bond approaches par, all other things being equal. Make sure you know that. I said it last week and I'll say it again now. That's about as deep as I go into bonds. However, on a more generic subject that I covered earlier, Make sure you know the difference between a bill, a note, and a bond. 
and make sure you know who is the issuer of this of the security and who is the buyer the borrower is the issuer the seller the writer of the debt the lender is the investor the buyer the purchaser of the paper so if you get a car loan you're issuing a five-year car loan you're issuing a five-year note a bank is investing in you by buying that from you by purchasing the note that you are issuing there was one on one of the quizzes just like the one that's on the exam so uh, not exactly but it's the same type who's the issuer who's the investor all that kind of stuff Now, as far as free cash flow goes, I won't ask you to calculate a free cash flow on this exam. I will ask you general questions. Okay, what's in NOPAT? Is depreciation there? Well, yeah, it's one of the expenses. But then after NOPAT, we have to add it back because it never really happened. Are capital expenditures in NOPAT? No but they are in the calculation of free cash flow. So make sure, grr, I can't even leave a marker for five minutes without it disappearing. So make sure you know that, have that on your note card, free cash flow is revenue minus expenses, and then you take away the taxes by multiplying by one minus the tax rate, which is 21%. And then you have to add back the depreciation expense because it was in here in your expenses, but we had it in there simply because it protects some of our revenue from taxation. But we have to add it back because it never really happened. And then we subtract the capital expenditures. And then we subtract the change in net operating working capital. Now you remember that net operating working capital is net operating working capital in the current period minus net operating working capital in the previous period. Net operating working capital is current assets minus current liabilities. Now I won't ask you to calculate one of these on this exam because we go through free cash flow in detail in the second half of the course. However, I could ask you something like this. Look, suppose your current assets go up faster than your current liabilities for, what does that mean? That, well, that would mean that you're losing uh, free cash flow. If current assets go up more than current liabilities because you're saying you got money, but you didn't really get it. And all that extra money is showing up on your current assets as accounts receivable. So, and same with current liabilities. Well, suppose your current liabilities go up really fast. Well, that means that you're gaining free cash flow because you said you paid bills on your income statement, expenses, but you didn't really pay them. So that frees up free cash flow goes to the old saying, you know, collect fast, pay slow. 
So make sure you understand that because I do ask a question about that. I think that was on quiz two, was it, or quiz three that I asked about that. Show me you know the answer now. Uh, uh, I'm looking back through here really quickly to make sure that I'm not missing something. Sometimes I forget something. As, uh, again, as far as ratios go, I can't emphasize this <coughs> enough. I'm not going to ask you to calculate ratios, but I do expect you to know what the ratios mean and to some extent how they're related. You know, as I said, which is bigger, uh, the current ratio or the acid test, which is bigger, ROA or ROE, things like that. Um, I am going to put a screen up on the midterm. You'll have a stock screen, and you'll have to be able to answer some questions about it. And I'll allow me to pull one up just to make sure that I'm clear and make sure that, that the Yahoo Finance is up and not the midterm. Okay, there we go. Uh, if I pull up, if I, it'll be on your exam, maybe target, TGT. And all you'll see is this nice little screen right here, this little block right here, and I'll ask you some questions. Okay, if I, how much would I pay if I went long one round lot of target? How much would I pay if I went long one round lot of target? The answer would be I'd pay $16,577, according to the screen. I could also ask, okay, what happens if I sell a round lot of target? Well, I would get $16,565. Uh, $16, no, again, uh, in other words, make sure you know the difference between the bid and the ask. And when I say a round lot, that's 100 shares. And if I'm saying go long, that means buy. Now, target here is an interesting animal. Let me, let me get another one up here. Um, mRNA. Let me call up Moderna. Okay. Okay, now, looking at this one. Is this a risky or a not, or a safe stock? Oh, yeah. This one's, M Moderna is one of the companies that developed a vaccine for COVID, uh, for, against the uh, COVID-2 SARS virus. Um, it's very risky, 1.64. However, the P-E ratio, is that agreeing, is the P-E ratio agreeing with the beta? Not even close. The P-E ratio is saying this is an undervalued stock. You want to be around 30 for it to be right. So in other words, according to P-E, this stock is right now well below its intrinsic value well below it. 
Is the company profitable? What do you say? Is this company a pro? Is pro, is it profitable? Anyone got a statement on that? Okay, Move, moving along. Um, weak volume today. Notice how the volume is a lot lower than it has been on average over the last year, and that's part of why this bid ask spread is so wide here. The market is tight on this stock. Does the stock pay a dividend? Okay. Moving on then. I'm trying to say if there's anything else that would be important. This is just one. Read the screen. Show me you know what the screen says. It's like the one on quiz two, I believe it was. We had a screen and you just answered the questions and then that's like 10 points on the exam, just being able to read the information off that screen. So that's worth it for you to know there. Uh, let me turn this off again. Uh, coming back around, making another quick pass through here see what I've forgotten. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Um, make sure you know the relationship between the value of an annuity due and the value of an ordinary annuity. I did this on the quiz. I'll do it again on the exam. Does the future value of an annuity do have a higher value or a lower value than the future value, value of an ordinary annuity? And I did that on the quiz, something like that. Um, oh. Okay, and this goes back to early on. Who has the prior claim on cash flows? The debt holders or the stockholders? Bingo. And who has the residual claim? The shareholders, the stockholders, as it were. So make sure you know that. I mean, that one's pretty much easy if you just remember it. Put it on your notes if you can't remember it uh, otherwise. It's an easy one. Um, let me look here. Running back through. Okay, now, I'm not catching. Oh, I, I may have already said this, but make sure you know those distinctions primary versus secondary market, capital versus money, a forward price versus a spot price. Those are just straight up definitions. They're in the book and they're also in the lectures as well. If you buy 
stock in Target? What, what market are you working in? You're buying it in the secondary market. If you participated in the IPO, which none of us ever will, that'd be a primary market transaction. Okay, let me, I do want to emphasize the questions that will be numeric. One will be find a payment on a loan and find the effective interest rate. Now I did that on the last quiz, uh, two quizzes in a row, and I will, and um, uh, you also have a problem, uh, practice problem set in ReggieNet. So you should be able to get that one very quickly, very easily. Now you can use the financial calculator to get it, or you can use Excel to get it. Now similarly, I will ask you a future value, just like I did on the quiz. And again, you can use your calculator, or you can ex use Excel. But in both cases, if I say starting today, it's going to be a future value and it's going to be an annuity due. So on the calculator, you have to make sure that down there at the bottom, you toggle on begin. In Excel, for a future value problem, there's a last optional number you can put in. You have to put it in and it has to be a one to make it an annuity due. Matter of fact, let me do one more problem of each kind for the one. Um, you buy, try that again, you buy a 25 Oops. Now let's say a $28,000 car on a five-year loan carrying an APR of five. 6.29%. First, what are your monthly payments? And second, what is the effective rate on the loan?
Okay, let me do it on the calculator first. Apps. Apps, finance, TVM solver. Oh, I'm so afraid I'm going to pull it up with that. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Okay, five. The loan is five times 12. Remember that the N is going to be times, the I percent is going to be divide. 60 uh, months, 60 payments you'll make. The I percent is the APR 6.29 divided by the 12 periods a year when it will be recalculated when you make a payment. Now the price value, PV, present value. Remember to put it in as a negative and in this case, it's $228,000. Now, everything you're going to talk, put it on the payment. Make sure everything, the FV is zero, P over Y, C over Y is one, and the payment is on end. Be careful of that because there, you'll have a future value where it's on begin. So make sure that you switch it to end or vice versa for the other problem. But anyway, it's where it should be. So payment, we put the toggle, alpha solve, $545 a month. Now the effective rate, Easy peasy. You come out, quit, and then apps, finance, and all you have to do is roll the clear down to selection C, EFF, enter. You put in the APR, 6.29, comma, 12, and you say, what's your answer? It's 6.47%. There you go. Easy enough. And that buys you some pretty serious points for not a lot of work. Now if you want to do it in Excel, you would put in the price, A1, then you go down APR in A2, number of compoundings per year in A3, and any future value, which there won't be, but we'll put it in, put it in anyway, and then <coughs> Excuse me. And then we'll put in um, number of years, and then finally we'll put in the payments. Now the price 
is negative 28,000. The APR is 6.29. Now in Excel, remember that you put in percent. Compoundings per year, 12. There's no kicker at the end. You want to finish the loan up, and it's for five years. Equals, and then the payment B in B6, PMT, open. Whoops. The rate, now notice that the Excel is like the calculator. You give it the APR and then you divide it by the compoundings per year, just like you do in the calculator. Similarly, the number of periods, it's the number of years times the compoundings per year, just like the calculator. And then your price value is the B1, the price, and the future value is zero. There's no kicker at the end. Now this last one you don't have to put in in this problem. It defaults to the zero, an ordinary annuity. You don't have to put it in. But you do if it's a future value because that number has to be a one. In this one I'm just putting it in for the sake of completeness. There you go. Yeah. No, it's always how many, how often your payments are, because in that question I said monthly payments. So that if I said you were making, like sometimes there are some of these loans where you can make by by month or by weekly payments, and in that case it'd be twenty six. Or if you make weekly payments, it would be 52. You have to re take your guidance off the payments because every time a payment's made, that causes an automatic recalculation. So that, that one's almost hidden. It's kind of hidden in there. If I said I make my payments semi-annually, it'd be only two. What are, what are your semi-annual payments or quarterly payments? But in this case, as you can see, it comes out with the same answer as the calculator. Now, as far as effective rate goes, that would be equals effect, open parenthesis, the nominal rate, APR, comma, compoundings per year. And there it is, 0 .6, 0 0.06475, which is 6.545%. Yeah, it's not as convenient, but one thing about this, now I'm not saying you should do it, but if you set up the template in Excel to do this, then on the exam, you could just punch in the numbers and boom, there's your Uncle Bob, it would just spit out at the end for you. So that's kind of a little hidden, cheaty kind of thing, but I'm, I can't climb around and look to see what template you have. Uh, but yeah, this is a nice little thing. And notice the effective rate spits out, just like the calculator does, except the calculator is a little more convenient because you don't have to remember your percent signs and all that kind of stuff. But still, they're about the same. 
Now, one thing, let me do one for you where I do a future value of an annuity due. Uh, am I that lame that I can't remember? Oh, there's my marker. Here we go. Watch. Do this one for you with a. And these are just kind of like classic questions, and I won't throw any curveball at you because it's kind of hard to throw a curveball at you on these. Starting today. Every week, you deposit $25 into an account with an APR of 4.19%. How much will be in the account one week after your last deposit? The dead giveaway that this is an, an annuity due, it says starting today. That's how I always put these questions. It was on the quiz that way. Starting today. When's our last deposit? Oh, I forgot to write for 20 years. Duh. No, you don't you have to guess that one. For 20 years. See, it's right there. If you were just paying attention, you'd see it. <laughs> Troublemaker. <laughs> okay, now, just, you know, throwing them in, in some random order payment, APR, years, number of compoundings per year. Um, what else am I, what am I forgetting here? APR payment. Um, any present value, some kicker you start in, out with, and uh, your, I think that's all I need. Okay, so your payments are going to be the $25.00. Your APR is 4.19%. And remember, you have to put the percent in in Excel. You don't in the calculator. Number of years is 20. Now, compoundings per year. I said I'm doing it weekly, so it's 52. There's no initial extra amount going in, so that should be enough, I hope. I didn't forget anything. Equals FV. Okay. The rate 
is going to be the APR divided by the compoundings per year. Notice how it works like the calculator. You have to do the same thing, n times I divide, okay, so comma, and the number of periods would be the 20 years times the 52 weeks every year. And then the payments are $25 each. The present value is zero. And here's the one you've got to remember. This is an annuity due, so you can't just leave that. You have to write one, because it'll assume it's a zero if you don't give it a one. And that'll be a disaster. This will probably come out to be a negative. Now in Excel, Apps, Finance, TVM Solver. N is 20 years times 52. I is 4.19 divided by 52. Remember, N is times, I is divide. Cranking in, there's no present value. Payments are $25 each. And the, you're, we're going to find the future value, but for God's sake, don't forget to change it to begin. Enter. You go back up to get your future value. Alpha, solve. Same answer. You might notice that the calculator is kind of easier to key it in unless you already have the template in Excel, in which case, in that case, it would be easier just to do the Excel. I want to show you something real quick. What happens if you forget to change it from end to beginning? You'll notice that the answer is enough different that you'll get it wrong on the exam. Put it back up on FV now, Alpha Solve, from $40,707, it goes down to 40674 Now, I do give you a range of, of answers that get full credit, but I make sure that range isn't wide enough that you would get full credit for that one. You'll only get a quarter of, a little bit of the credit. So make sure that you have that toggle for that one problem on this exam. You have that toggle on begin. I'm trying to get in front of it so you don't make those kinds of little mistakes that wear down your points that you get on the exam. How are we doing so far? <laughs> okay, yeah. So for the test, do we put the number in as a negative? No, 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 I found that out. VeggieNet hates negative, so I say just put in the number as an absolute value. I used to try to do it, yeah, whatever the calculator says, and then VeggieNet just hates those negatives, and I, people were getting problems wrong that were right and all that. Always just put in a positive number, for heaven's sake. Yeah. That's right, you'd have to put it, that in Second, insert a negative sign. 
and then alpha solve. For some reason, it's obsessed with having something negative, usually PV. Notice how Excel did that too. Do you see that right there? So I'd have to put that one in as a negative in order to get the positive of it. But the absolute value is all that I care about on the exam. Just stay frosty on these because these are not going to kill you if you just get the routine down. I've given you another example here. You have your quiz and you all, a couple of quizzes. And you also have your, um, this template if you want. Uh, you just create your own template with this if you want. You have the practice problems to do it too. So that shouldn't be a real monster for you. Okay, now, it's your turn. You ask me questions. Go ahead, make my day. Anything you got for me? Well, if you don't. Now, also, the tutor is available tomorrow from uh, 11 to 1 up on in room 439 for Cengage questions. Other than that, that's all I have for you today. I thank you.